you know, there are so many storms in life that we've each had to face. Right now, our nation and even the world is facing several powerful storms. There's the COVID-19 storm, the polarizing election storm that's just three short months away. There's the economic uncertainty storm. And so many other pieces of life that seem to be spiraling out of control right before our eyes. All around us, there's confusion, uncertainty, fear, and anger. For so many of us, life has been turned upside down. and It's easy to feel as if you're caught in the, quote, perfect storm. For most of us, if not all of us, it's a safe bet to say that there are probably going to be more storms to come. And while the circumstances of all the storms will each be unique, sometimes they'll have a similar purpose. They all will have the potential to be used by God as tools for teaching us valuable life lessons. Now, two examples of the types of storms I'm talking about are found in the scripture lessons that are appointed for today. The first storm, <coughs> excuse me, the first storm is the storm that the Lord used to chastise and correct. This is the type of storm that Jonah found himself in in our first lesson from the Old Testament. It's a scary storm, but one that Jonah brought upon himself by his disobedience to God. And so the Lord used that corrective storm to teach Jonah obedience. And so let's listen again to the picture the Bible lesson paints for us today. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were trapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. All that brought on by Jonah's disobedience. But that's not the end of the story. Because God allowed Jonah's storm to be used to transform Jonah. And so as a result, Jonah says this in verses 6 through 9. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay, salvation belongs to the Lord. That storm truly transformed Jonah, and as a result, his life was saved. He then obeyed the Lord's command and went on to Nineveh, where he prophesied the destruction of the city. And when he did, the king and the people repented, and the Lord spared them all. So the storm Jonah found himself in not only transformed Jonah, but through his transformation, the storm also transformed the people of Nineveh. You and I must pray that the Lord will use this storm that we find ourselves in today to not only transform us, the body of Christ, 
in the way that Jonah was transformed, but that through our transformation, the raging storm will also transform the people of our nation as the people of Nineveh. The other storm that we find in today's lesson is not a corrective storm, but is instead a faith-building storm. That faith-building storm, like the corrective storm, was also transformational. This time it wasn't Jonah who was transformed by the storm. This time it was Peter. And just as Jonah's life was saved, Peter's was as well. In the earlier chapters of St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus calls disciples to himself. He preaches incredible sermons. He teaches profound parables. And he performs many miracles. But up until this point, Peter has sort of been standing on the outside, just taking it all in. He's been a passive bystander. He has not yet been confronted with a situation that has caused him to take any real leap of faith. The closest thing he's come to is to be willing to work a few less hours in his fishing business and to use that time following and listening to Jesus. But Peter hasn't yet made the difficult decision to walk by faith. That word walk in the Bible, it's often used to mean the way that we live our lives, the way we act, the way we conduct ourselves. Your walk in life is the path that you choose to go down each day. Now, life is a journey, and for followers of Christ 2,000 years ago, as well as for us today, we could say that life is a pilgrimage to a whole other way of life. It's a journey to a whole other country, a heavenly country. To walk by faith is to live life in the confident expectation of things that are to come, while trusting God as we journey further and further away from the temporal life of this world, and as we get closer and closer to the next life that awaits us in that heavenly country. The people of this world, non-believers, well, they're heavily influenced by the things that they can see. They live for wealth and power and possessions. They live for the things that the world offers. But believers, Christians, we need to look beyond this world with faith that there is a much better life to come, a life prepared for us by our Lord Jesus Christ himself, because that's what he promises to each one of us. And so to walk by faith means that we know the promises that God has made to us and that we believe in those promises. The Bible is filled with promises for believers. Nothing is more encouraging or more nurturing to our faith and reading the promises of God. Romans 10 and verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Problem is, some Christians misunderstand what faith is. To some, faith is some kind of invisible, mysterious power or force. They think that if they have enough faith, God will do whatever they ask him to do. And when crisis comes in their lives, crisis will come in everyone's life. They try to force God into action with their faith. When an emergency comes up, they try to use faith like a rope to slip around God's neck to force their will on God. When disaster comes, they try to use faith sort of like a start button that they push to try to move God into action. And when God doesn't respond how they expect him to and when they demand him to, 
They become disappointed and they become angry with God because they feel that God has let them down, that he has ignored their prayers and that he's abandoned them. And as I said last Sunday, when that happens, they might stop praying, they might stop reading the Bible, and they might even turn their backs on God and his church. But what those Christians don't realize is that when you ask God to fulfill his promises, you need to know what those promises are. Having faith is having absolute confidence that God will do what God has promised to do. And it's having the patience to know that he will do what's best for you and that he will do it in his time because he knows best. And so as we get back to today's gospel lesson, the Bible tells us that the disciples are in the midst of a terrible storm. It's the fourth watch of the night, about three o'clock in the morning. And Jesus comes to them in the midst of that storm, walking on the water. But when the disciples saw Jesus, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, Peter asking to walk on the water is obviously a very unusual request. And some people have criticized Peter for trying to show off in front of the other disciples, trying to show that he had more faith in Christ than all the other disciples did. But perhaps Peter was just simply scared. Maybe Peter wanted to walk on the water just to be closer to Jesus, because he knew that Jesus could and would comfort and protect him. And see, people who walk by faith, they want to be as close to God as they could possibly be. And if you really want to get closer to Jesus, you've got to walk on walk by faith because strong faith pleases God. In fact, Hebrews 11:6 tells us that without faith, it's really impossible to please God. Walking by faith means making some significant changes in your life. You can't just stay where you are in life day after day and expect to magically move closer to Jesus. That takes effort on your part, at least some effort. Effort that involves prayer, study of the word, openness to allowing the Holy Spirit to transform you more and more into the image of Christ, and a heartfelt desire to being close to Jesus. Now, while the storm raged all around him, Peter wanted to, to change from being distanced from Jesus in the boat to being close to Jesus, as close as possible where the peace of Christ would calm all his fears. James 4, 8 says that when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. And if you're like Peter, and you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then your response should be to want to get as close to him as possible. The thing that really made Peter want to walk by faith and get closer to Jesus was the storm that he was going through at that moment in his life. That storm caused Peter to walk by faith. Sometimes storms come to test us so that we can see if our faith is strong enough for us to walk by faith and not by sight. But no matter what, our storms or our storms ought to always draw us closer to Jesus. And I pray that's exactly what this storm that we find ourselves in today does for each and every one of us. Unfortunately, for some who call themselves followers of Christ, when the storm comes, they become gripped by fear 
They freeze up. They stay in the boat, glued to their seat. They find themselves in the middle of a storm, and yet they aren't any closer to God than they were before the storm blew into their life. Just look at the rest of the disciples in today's gospel lesson. They didn't climb out of the boat and follow Peter's walk of faith. The rest of them were satisfied with just sitting in the boat. The boat was like their second home. It was a familiar place for each of those fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. Like the other disciples that day, too many Christians today are complacent. They're satisfied with staying in their comfort zones. But the life of a Christian is a life of growth. The life of a Christian is a life of stepping out in faith, being eager to follow God's voice no matter what's going on around us. Whether life at the moment is filled with peace and tranquility or it's filled, filled with a raging storm. As Jesus' disciples, you and I cannot allow ourselves to be satisfied with just staying in the boat, waiting out the storm. Like Peter, we have to cast our eyes upon Jesus, and then we have to get out of the boat and do what seems like the rest of the world to be impossible. Not everyone in the boat's going to walk with you on the water. Not everyone will choose to walk by faith. In fact, most people are happy just walking by sight. A doubter might have said, well, don't be an idiot, Peter. Stay in the boat. It's safe there. You've sailed through rough waters before. You'll, you've never walked on water before. You'll get through this. But Peter did step out of the boat. He did take a walk of faith that day. And as I read Peter's response, I, I see four things that happened when he stepped out of the boat. The Bible says in verse 29 that after Peter asked to walk on the water, Jesus told him to come. Now, when we think of Peter walking on the water, I think we mostly think of the part when Peter begins to sink. But Peter did have some success before he started sinking. And the reason why Peter was successful is because he believed the word of God. He began to walk on the water by having faith in the word of the Lord. Jesus told Peter, come. And Peter immediately stepped out of the boat, responding to Jesus. Peter believed Jesus, and as a result, he was able to do something that seemed impossible. The lesson in that for us is that when we put our faith in the Word of God, when we really believe what he says, what seems impossible becomes possible. We never put ourselves in danger when we walk by faith. The Bible says that Peter started out okay. He was able to walk on the water at first, but after a short way, he began became afraid, and so he began to sink. The verse says that when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Now, of course, it wasn't actual wind itself that he saw, but it was the effects of the wind. And when Peter started to worry, he became gripped by fear. That's when he started to sink. Peter took his eyes off Christ, and instead, he put them on the circumstances around him. Maybe you can see yourself in Peter and his wet shoes. Maybe, like him, you've taken your eyes off Christ and instead of focused on the effects of the whirlwind that's blowing around us. And because your eyes are on that instead of the Lord, you feel overwhelmed. And so you're worried and even feel gripped by fear and you feel as if you're starting to sink under the weight of everything. That everything could be the craziness that we see on the news every night. Fear of catching the coronavirus or 
It could be any heavy burden that you're carrying. It could be a health issue, a financial issue, a relationship issue, an addiction issue, or any other issue. So if that describes you, stop sinking in your circumstances and refocus on Christ. Respond to his call and his promise. And start walking over those circumstances instead of allowing them to, to drown you. And while it's true that Peter made the choice to take his eyes off Jesus, I'm sure the evil one was right there in the storm, tempting Peter to take his eyes off Christ. Make no mistake about it. The evil one is always in the storms in our lives. He's always tempting us to take our eyes off Jesus. Satan always wants us to walk by sight instead of by faith. Because he knows that if he can get you to walk by sight, then he can get you to sink. And when that happens, he can get you to place yourself under the weight of those things that you should be walking right over. When Peter took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink, but that's not the end of the story. Peter didn't drown in that storm. While he was sinking, he started praying. The Bible says that Peter cried out, saying, Lord, save me. When Peter's faith got weak and the trouble he found himself in began to overwhelm him, he didn't drown in his troubles. He didn't give up. Instead, he cried out to the Lord in prayer. After all that Peter had been through, he still had enough faith to pray. When Peter realized he was in trouble, he also realized that the only one who could save him from the mess that he found himself in was the, was the Lord. And the response of his faith was to cry out to the Lord for help. Even though at that moment his faith was little, it was enough to pray. And it was enough to save him. Just like Peter, the only one who can save us from the mess that we are in. And by us, I mean the United States. The only one who can save us is the Lord our God. Like Peter, we have to cry out to the Lord for help. Lord, save us. The Bible says that as soon as Peter cried out to the Lord for help, Jesus immediately reached out his hand to call of him. After saving him from drowning, Jesus chastised him about the smallness of his faith. He said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, Peter's faith at that point, it was small, but he had at least enough faith to get out of the boat and to walk as far as he did. What Peter needed was a bigger, stronger faith to complete that dangerous journey. And keep in mind, Peter had been walking with Jesus for quite a while now. He had seen Jesus work many miracles. Peter had seen Jesus fill his boat with fish. He had seen Jesus heal his sick mother-in-law. He had seen Jesus turn water into wine. And before this particular storm, Peter had seen Jesus take two small fish and five loaves of bread and feed more than 5,000 people. Seeing all those miracles, Peter had no reason to doubt, and yet he still did. My brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're doubting the Lord today, remember that like Peter, you too have been walking with Jesus. You've seen the Lord open doors that were closed in your face. You've seen him perform miracles in your life that seemed impossible. You've seen him grab hold of you time and time again and, and save you from sinking in a storm. And so remind yourself of those times when you took a walk of faith by getting out of the boat. Remind yourself how the Lord has always been there to catch you and cry out to the Lord, save me, and know in your heart that he will. 
He will keep you from sinking. He will calm the storm. He loves you more than you can know or understand. And he wants for you to have faith in him, to love him back, and to live with him forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.